Elohi Avraham, Elohi Yitzhak, Elohi Yaakov, B'Shem Yeshua Mishikenu. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Abba, we come before you, God, with eager hearts to hear from your word, to be changed, to be challenged. Abba, that we would draw closer to you each and every day that we exist. Abba, that your ways would be lived out through our lives as a testimony to who we are in you. So, Abba, I pray that you would help us in our weakness and pour out your spirit upon us. In Yeshua's name and God's people said, Amen. One more order of business. Pray after me. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Last week we started a series entitled, Is God Seeking You? Rabbi Carroll spoke from Yochanan chapter 4. And the text that she used was from verses 23 and 24, a familiar verse. And Yeshua is speaking and is said, but an hour is coming. It is here now when true worshipers, say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people as his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Even if you casually reflect upon that verse, I can only speak for me. (laughs) That challenges me because I want to be sure that I am, right, one of those worshipers who are worshiping in spirit and truth. Amen? It says because Adonai is seeking out, ardently searching for, not just any old worshiper, right? But worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. Which tells me that there might be some worshipers who do not worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we want to be those whom the Father is seeking. Amen? The scripture says that God is actively looking like we heard last week from Rabbi Carroll. So if God is looking and searching for worshipers, then it is to our great advantage to make sure that we are the kind of people he is seeking out. Amen? God dwells with those who are worshipers, and worship is the atmosphere of heaven. It takes place before his throne, day and night. Worship does. So if you wonder why God is looking for worshipers, because worship is the atmosphere of heaven. It's the atmosphere that God is comfortable in. And here's a verse for you in Revelation chapter 4. It says, The four living creatures, having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. And they do not rest day or night chanting, Kadosh, 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 
Adonai Elohetsivaot Asher Haya Vehove Veyavo. We sang that today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts, who was and who is and who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, which we just heard happens day and night with no rest, correct? So when that takes place, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they throw their crowns down before the throne, chanting, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they exist and were created. So God is in the midst of 24 hour a day, seven day a week, 365 days a year of worship. Constantly before the throne of God. You see, it's interesting that God didn't say he was looking for worship, did he? He said he was looking for worshipers. Now, of course, worshipers worship. But he's not looking for worship because worship is already taking place in heaven. He's looking for worshipers. And the reason he's looking for worshipers is because God is looking to get us something. So worship is taking place in heaven, the abode of God, and the throne of the Messiah, Yeshua. Worship, like I said, is the atmosphere of heaven. And when Yeshua taught the Talmudim to pray, he told them to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right? Did he not say on earth as it is in heaven? So we know in heaven there's 24-hour day, 365 days a year of worship, correct? On earth as it is in heaven. So God is seeking worshipers. Here's the question for you and for me. Now listen to me. When I'm not here to say you're not doing anything. I'm here to encourage you that God is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and truth because he wants to get something to us. He wants to get us into a place where we encounter him on a regular basis. Amen? One thing to note before we start, all the scriptures and forms that I talk about today are all Jewish forms. Hear me. They're all Jewish. They're going to all come from the Jewish writings. Not Christian, but Jewish. And if we're from a Jewish background, we need to be teachable to the fact that perhaps the way we've always been told to do it is not the scriptural way. That perhaps we need to be open to God's way if we see it in his word. Amen? I'm going to be speaking today largely out of the Jewish songbook known as the book of Psalms or Tehillim. Every action and exhortation comes from Jewish men 
who wrote the scriptures by inspiration of the Ruach HaKodesh. Every form I talk about is thoroughly Jewish. Many believers think, here's a quote, many believers think that praying means spelling out a list of petitions for God to answer because prayer and praise and worship are very closely related. But the truth is that without thanksgiving, say thanksgiving, praise and worship, say praise and worship, we will never have access to God. Say that again. Without thanksgiving, praise, and worship, we will never have access to God. This is the only condition by which we may enter into his presence and receive the answers to our prayers. Each of these three activities is a particular way to approach God and can help us to relate to him on different levels. Think about what you came to today. What do we call this event? We came to a, what type of service? What do we call it? A worship service. Now, we came to a worship service, I trust, not to worship ourselves, right? We didn't come to worship ourselves. Therefore, I don't necessarily have to do something I like to do, right? We came to worship one greater than us, God. We came to bless him to praise him, to give to him, to sacrifice to him. Amen? Matter of fact, throughout the scriptures, throughout the Tanakh, worshipers came with what? To give to God. A sacrifice to give to God. They came to give, right? They didn't come to get. They came to give. And so when we come We should come, if we are worshipers, with an expectation not to get, but to give. But God being a good God, right, a gracious heavenly father, and God being who he is, never just receives. He, like a good father, even like an earthly father, when he receives, he wants to give back. So that's why we get something out of worship. Because God is so good. He he just loves us so much. He just doesn't want to receive. He wants to receive and then give back to us. But the primary function of a worship service, which you came to today, right, is to give to God. To give. Say to give. So today we will look at two of these three important parts of our worship experience. And the first one is thanksgiving. The act of giving thanks means a grateful acknowledgement of benefits or favors, especially to God. We thank God for something he has done for us, right? If I give you a present, what do you say to me? Thank you. If I walk down and give Wayne 50 bucks, he's going to say, Woo, thank you. Sorry, Wayne. That's a natural response when we receive something. Thankfulness is a mental and or verbal expression of one's revelation and and appreciation of God's person. I can't stress that enough. I said it at the Wednesday night Bible teaching, but I want to say it here. In the sound of my hearing, we have a lot of folks 
people on the, listening on the podcast as well, who know about God and know a lot of teaching about God, have a lot of intellectual knowledge about God. But intellectual knowledge alone is insufficient. We need a revelation knowledge of God. What does that mean? That those intellectual teachings and principles that we learn become alive in us. You could tell me God loves me until you're blue in the face, but until I get a revelation of that love in my heart, until it pops off in my heart, then and only then does it mean something to me. Right? It's that revelation that is important. And so that's why we pray, God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to perceive. Let me have a revelation of your truth. Amen? Thankfulness is an important subject in the word of God. And in our relationship with God, some form of the word right, thanks or thanksgiving is found, listen to this, 195 times in this scripture in 186 verses. So let's go to the most obvious choice, a psalm of thanksgiving, Tehillim 100. And it says, shout for joy to Adonai all the earth. Serve Adonai with gladness. Enter his presence with joyful songs. Be aware that Adonai is God. It is he who made us and we are his, his people, the flock of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courtyards with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For Adonai is good, his grace continues forever, and his faithfulness lasts through all generations. This psalm was probably written to be chanted by a festive procession as they approached and entered the temple. As they were in Jerusalem and going, what gate is it referring to? It's referring to the gate of the temple. And as they were going, it says, enter his gates. How? With thanksgiving. One professor suggests that gate may extend to all the faithful and to all places of worship. Anytime we're coming in to worship God, that would be the gate through which we enter. So you came to this temple today. You entered the gates. Did you come Entering with thankfulness. The Hebrew says, Bo'u sha'arav betodah chatseratav bitilal hodu lo baruchu shemo. Enter, go into his presence. Go into his presence with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. The way through the gate and into the presence of God is the gate of thanksgiving. We can't get through without thanksgiving in our hearts. Listen to me. Thanksgiving is more than just saying, God, thank you. And thinking about things that perhaps you're blessed with. 
And not to say that's not important. However, thanksgiving comes from the heart. And it explodes from our innermost being. It is a reaction to something that we have been given by God. Hear that. It is a reaction, a response to something we have been given by God. Remember I said if I give you a gift, you say what? Thank you. We're saying thank you because God has given us something. Now, stay with me on this. The problem with that approach, correct, is... that the poor person might compare himself to the rich person and say, I have not been given as much as that person and therefore I'm not really that thankful. And that person across the aisle, oh, my neighbor has more stuff than me, so I'm not really super thankful. You see, we can look and compare what we have been given to someone else and conclude we are not as thankful because they have been blessed with more than us. Tehillim 100, the psalmist is thankful for what? That he could enter into the presence of God. That's what he's thankful for. That he can come into the presence of of the living God, the God who made a way for him to enter, the same God who made a way for you and me to enter. Amen? It was God's own doing. He did it, not us. We are thankful because we have been the recipients of God's great mercy and his favor. But listen to me. Are you really thankful? And I just ask because our thankfulness is usually seen. Right? I don't know about you, But when someone gives me a gift, or if I give one of my kids a gift, they don't usually go, oh, thanks. Great. Thank you. Do they? When you give, especially a great gift, you're like, oh, wow. Thank you so much. That's so exciting. Thank you for that new car, Christina. I need it. Thanks so much. Awesome. We're excited, right? And sometimes we don't walk in that revelation of what God did for us. That he made a way for us to come in to the very presence of the God of the universe. And here's why. It says, who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who can stand in his holy place or his presence? Who can stand in his presence? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to an idol. Who could do that? Who has clean hands? Who wants to go through into God's presence with your righteousness? Anyone? Anyone going to take me up on that offer that you want to say, hey, Rabbi, I'll do it. I'll go into it, and I'll put my righteousness on the line and say I'm going to enter the presence of God. Anyone? Of course not. Because we understand our righteousness doesn't cut it. So what do we need? His righteousness. And for that reason, I'm thankful that I as soiled as I am in the flesh could enter in the presence of a holy God. See, we don't have 
really a full idea of what the holiness of God is like. And I'll give you one little glimpse of it. That the Talmud Yochanan, who walked with him for three and a half years when he saw the risen Messiah, didn't say, oh, great, hey, Yeshua, high five. He fell on his face like dead. The glory was beyond magnificent. You and I have been granted access by something God has done for us. That should cause our hearts to well up. To the degree, listen to me, to the degree that we grasp what God has done for us in providing a way for us in Yeshua is to the same degree that we will be thankful. This levels the playing field. And here's why. Because each of us have been given the same access in Messiah. So it doesn't matter how much material stuff I have or you have or I don't have and you don't have. We've been granted the same access and the same privilege to enter into the presence of the living God. And we all should be equally as thankful for that privilege. Amen? Because the truth is we can enter no other way but through Yeshua's atoning sacrifice. When we have this revelation in our hearts, not only through our intellect, thanksgiving will flow naturally from our innermost being. So listen, how could we say that we're thankful if we don't cherish coming into the house of God? The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Friends, sometimes people come in like it's no big deal. Like they're coming into the presence of a regular person. We're entering into the house and the presence of the Almighty. I felt them today. And I did that because I purposed in my heart. And I remembered who I am and how grateful I am for God. Someone wrote this. And listen, I'm going to just tell you this. I lead the worship every week. I've not arrived at worship. There's more to be experienced as far as the presence of God goes. I'm hearing what you're hearing, and I'm needing it as much as you. Someone said this, many, many sadly fail here. They have no song, only a perpetual dirge. And against many, the condemnation is written, neither were they thankful. The truth is, everyone born again has been granted the same access to God's presence. The other things that people have or don't have is not even relevant to why we are thankful from a spiritual perspective. You and I have been granted the ability to enter into the very presence of the living God. In the Brit Chadashah, it tells us how we have been granted the ability to enter his presence and what specifically God has done for us. Rav Shaul uses the concept of thanksgiving over 40 times in his letters and seven times in the book of Colossians alone. 
This concept of thankfulness in the Brit Chadashah comes from the use of two Greek words. The first is charizomai, which comes from charis, which is grace. And the second is homiolegoo, which means to confess or acknowledge. So I'm going to read two verses from the Brit Chadashah. Realize, who is Rav Shaul? Is he a, a Gentile Christian man? No, he is a Pharisee. Okay, who learned under Gamliel, the famous Gamliel of the Mishnah. This is who he is. Look what he says. He says, with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the Kiddushim's inheritance in the light. He delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So here are four things God has done for us in the Messiah for which we should be thankful. One, he has qualified us. Say qualified us. Hikanu is the Greek word, and it means to share in the inheritance of the Kedoshim in light. Hikanu means to make one qualified. So go through Yeshua means to make us capable Yeshua makes us capable to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. Who makes us capable? There's only one name that makes us capable. The name of Yeshua, the Messiah. Then it says he delivered us. Ruomai. Say Ruomai. That means from the dominion of darkness. He delivered us. Riomai. And Riomai means to rescue. God rescued us. Do you know when you're rescued, you're powerless to do anything for yourself? Think of someone who is sitting in jail overseas. Maybe the Taliban have them. Maybe ISIS has them. And all of a sudden, SEAL Team 4 comes barging through the door. There's a little commotion. All of a sudden, cha-ching, the prison doors open. They couldn't get free themselves. They were rescued. How good does it feel to be rescued? And the relief and the thankfulness, right? We've seen the pictures. And they're so thankful that these people risked their life so they could be free. We could not get free unless he rescued us. Then it says, he transferred us. Not only rescued us, he could have rescued us, right, and taken us from a prison overseas and put us in a prison here, right? But it said he transferred us Methistano into the kingdom of his son. Methistano means to transfer. We got the transfer. Listen to me. We got the transfer we always wanted from the deep dark dungeon to the kingdom of light. It's the same transfer Yosef got. Remember Yosef was in the dungeon in the prison? He got a transfer from the prison of Egypt. To the kingship of Egypt. He got transferred. 
the transfer he was waiting for. That's what Messiah did for us. We couldn't do it ourselves. We got that call. We were in the minor leagues waiting for the call to the bigs. God called us up by Yeshua. And then lastly, he redeemed us. Apolutrosis means providing the forgiveness of sins. Apolutrosis means to be washed completely. Say, I've been washed completely. So that we have been fully washed in our debt. The debt of sin has been fully paid and the stain of sin has been fully removed. Fully removed. So when we say, enter his gates with thanksgiving, do you understand what he's saying? Why are we thankful that we could come through these doors and worship the living God? Because look at all that he has done for us. Not one of those things could we have done for ourselves. He did all those things for us. Friends, we need to have thankful hearts. Let me ask you a question. Perhaps you're in this room and you have never experienced personally that redemption of Messiah, personally. You've never personally accepted Messiah in your heart and in your life. There is only one way, and that is through the Messiah. There's not two ways. Traditional Judaism can't get us there. Only the Messiah can do the things I just described, can rescue us, only him. And maybe you sit in this room and you never personally made that decision to say yes. What's the decision we're making? Simply say, I believe. I believe, God, that you sent your son, the Messiah, to rescue me. If you've never done that, pray with me. Dear Yeshua, come on, dear Yeshua, forgive me of my sins. Have mercy on me. I have sinned and fallen short of the standards of Torah. And I thank you, God, that you made a provision through the sacrifice of Messiah to atone for my sins. I believe that you sent the Mashiach to pay the penalty for my sin, to remove the stain of sin and grant me access into your presence. Amen. If you said that, you could be on a new journey in your life if you meant it. Friends, this is not a game. There is a real heaven in which God dwells. It's real. We need to ask God, and I I trust that you'll ask him, God, give me a revelation of these four truths. That he qualified me, that he delivered me, that he transferred me, and that he redeemed me. You hear me? Give me a revelation of that. Once we have the revelation of what God has given us in Messiah, we will never want for a heart of thanksgiving again. We will, and we will look forward. You know, can I just say it? I marvel how worship has become less and less important to people. 
Friends, God is looking for worshipers, primarily. Not people who listen to a message. Not people who study Torah. He says he's looking for worshipers, seeking them out. Where are they? Where are my worshipers? That's what he's looking for. Friends, you and I have a lot to be thankful for. We should be eager and thankful for all that he's provided for us. It gains us access into his presence. We're going to talk about presence. Because the presence of God is everywhere, correct? He's here right now. But the presence of God doesn't always manifest. There's the presence of God. He's everywhere. And there is the manifest presence of God when God makes himself known to us. Right? For instance, if you were sitting at the front of the sanctuary and the people behind you have come in, they are in the room, correct? Their presence is among you, but you don't know they're there because they have not been made known to you. During the Shabbat Shalom, when they say Shabbat Shalom, now their presence has been made manifest to you. So God is everywhere, but his presence manifests when we praise him. When we enter his courts with thanksgiving and through the gates and into his gates through praise. When that happens, we can and should turn our attentions to the things we do have and God has provided for us and be thankful for the material blessings that also come from God, but they, compa- they pale in comparison to the ability to enter into his glorious presence. Amen? So really, work on that. Say, God, I know you're thankful, but sometimes we lose sight of that. We lose sight of what he's done. So refresh yourself. The second is praise. Say praise. That's the next component to our worship experience. And I'm going to just say it. If you're not here for the time where we praise him with music, you should be. You should be eager to praise God. And I'm going to tell you why. Not because I say so, because the Hebrew scriptures say so. If we want to experience deep worship, someone wrote, we need vibrant praise. And some of you might wonder, why aren't there things happening that I want to see in God? If you're not a worshiper and experiencing deep worship, God's presence manifests in the midst of deep worship. And when his presence manifests, all sorts of good things happen. But if we never get to that manifest presence, and what is his manifest presence? It's God's responding to us as his children. For instance, when our kid is outside playing on the, play, on the playground, great, he's out there. I love him, he loves me, but there's no really exchange. It isn't until that child comes close and comes unto me and sits on my lap and smooches me and says, hey, dad, I love you. Now, we're in each other's presence, correct? Now, I could love on him and bless him, right? Praise is something we do to acknowledge God, to acknowledge his greatness and the greatness of his deeds. So I'm going to give you a couple of psalms. Tehillim, realize all of this is, right, Hebrew, 
Hebrew writings. And he says this, hallelujah. Do you realize hallelujah isn't a Christian term? (laughs) Hallelujah means praise God. Hallelujah, praise Adonai, my soul. I will praise Adonai as long as I live. I will sing, say sing. Praise to my God all my life. Don't put your trust in princes or in mortals who cannot help. When they breathe their last, they return to the dust. On that very day, all their plans are gone. So, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Tehillim 150 gives us instructions. Praise God in his holy place. Praise him in the heavenly dome of his power. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with a blast on the shofar. Praise him with lute and lyre. Praise him with tambourines and dancing. Praise him with flutes and strings. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise Adonai. Hallelujah. That's what the scripture says. Now listen to me. When we read the scriptures and we see praise the Lord or praise Adonai, we do not get the full picture. Praise God is really like a one note. There's one note from the orchestra. It's like ding. All right, that's nice. But it's nicer when the whole orchestra plays, right? It's like ring. Right? You know, one note's okay. It's nice to hear a guitar go ring. But when the guitar and the keyboards and the piano and the drive ring, it's so much fuller and nicer, right? There are seven Hebrew words. When you read in your English Bible and it says praise the Lord, you don't get the full picture. Because any one of those terms, any time it says praise, it's not always the same word. It's one of seven Hebrew words. And those Hebrew words instruct us. They're meant to instruct us how to worship and praise God. How to do it. Look what it says. They each have a specific meaning. These words paint a complete picture of what it means to praise God and how the praises of God should be done. Tehillim 22.3 says, You are holy, enthroned. Where is God enthroned? What does it say? On the praises of Israel, right? It doesn't say on the study of Israel, right? It says on the praises of Israel. He sits enthroned. When we praise God, you get the attention of heaven. It's like the father with the prodigal son. When you begin to praise God, God starts to get excited. And he says, look, they're building me a place where I can come and dwell with them. What do you think the earthly tabernacle was about? They built God a place where he could come and be with his people. Well, in the Brut Chadashad, through Yeshua, our praise builds God a throne to come and to descend upon. And the first word I want to talk about is the word, Hebrew word, say yada. And it means hands to God. Yada means to hold out the hand, to revere or worship with extended hands 
to worship with our hands. It's not a Christian thing. So in the English, when you read it, it says, praise God. But when you read it in the Hebrew and it says yada, you know how you are supposed to praise God. So when you see people raising their hands, they're not performing some Gentilized form of worship. The Hebrew scriptures are instructing us, this is how you are to praise God with extended hands. Praise God, yada. Lift your hands unto the Lord. Cast upon him. It even is used sometimes to throw. Cast upon God your praise. You ever see people in worship where they're just casting their praise with their hands? Bless you, O God. Thank you, O God. See, we think that's Christian emotionalism. It's in the Hebrew scriptures. Yada. Praise him with extended hands. Tehillim 7 and verse 17 says, I will praise. So we think, what does that mean to praise? Oh, I don't know. It says, Yada. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. I will lift up my hands and exalt my God. The second word is halal, and it means to celebrate God. Halal means to boast on God and declare his praise, to boast on God. Because how do I praise God? You boast on God. God, you are awesome. You hear the psalmist do it all the time, right? God, you are awesome and mighty and holy and worthy and powerful in all dominion and might and glory and honor belong to you. Right? That's halal. It means to be clear, to shine forth, to boast upon. And it also has the connotation, listen to this, to be clamorously foolish. Say that. To be clamorously. See, you might have thought what I just did, that little rant, that I was being clamorously foolish. Oh, the rabbi's just making noise. That's what halal means, to be clamorously foolish. I know we live in New York. We don't want to be too, you know, we got to be reserved. I know, we live in the Northeast. We can't show emotion, right? That would be against our, our way. But God is looking for us. Come on, look at me and be real with me. So you've been planning for months and months, right? that your kids would have a 20th birthday and you're going to bless them. So you went out to the car dealer and you got them that Mercedes. <laughs> you know the one where it retracts? You know the hard top where it retracts into the trunk? To, mm, and you're like so excited about it, right? And you saved your pennies and that's my, my, my firstborn son. He's going to get thrilled when I give it to him. And the birthday comes and you say, son, i got something to show you. Here's the keys to your brand new car. And he looks at it and goes, oh, great. Thanks, Dad. Puts it in. You would be like, what? 
Are you, what? Are you kidding me? I, I, the effort that I put into this, the thought, my heart was so for you. I got you the best. And thanks, Dad. You would expect some level of enthusiasm. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. Papa, thanks so much. I'm stoked. To praise God means that we can get it. It's okay to get excited about the God who loves us immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. And yet we come in, and I'm not saying we, but the body of Messiah comes in so reserved. Clamorously foolish. Well, well, Rabbi, where is that in the word? I'll tell you. Tehillim 35.18, I will give you thanks in the great assembly and I will give you praise. Among the huge crowds of people, clamorously foolish praise amidst the great, that means in public, guys. That means in front of everyone. That could be embarrassing to me. Do you know what? It was embarrassing to Michal. Remember the story? In 2 Samuel 6. When David is bringing the ark into Jerusalem and David's so stoked, they're blowing shofarot and they're playing with the tambourines and they have the harps and lyres and David is just praising God. He's leading the throng, he's singing, he's dancing, he's shouting, he's twirling. He's so excited. And then after the, the, the ark gets in, he goes to his house to bless his own house. And he walks in and his wife says... Shaul's daughter, Michal, says to him, you disgraceful thing. What a disgrace. What an embarrassment. Twirling before the the maidens and dancing. How indignant for a king of Israel. And David said to her, that's that's what you said. Let me tell you something. I did that before the Lord, <laughs> before the God of Israel, who has blessed me and called me to his service. I will bless the name of the Lord, our God, and I will do it even more so. So are we going to be ashamed? Or are we going to act a little clamorously foolish to worship our God? Again, this is found in the Hebrew scriptures. That's not in a charismatic, non-denominational Christian church. Hebrew scriptures, King David acting clamorously foolish in his worship to God. Wow. There's another word. Third word is tehillah. Say tehillah. It means a song of praise. Tehillah means praise. A song of praise. So I know all you guys who don't like to sing. You say, well, my voice ain't the best. Who cares? 
Remember the days when you used to sing? Listen, if Bob Dylan can sing in public, anyone here in this room should sing, no worries. I, can't, I don't do a good impression, but all I know is every time I hear him, I said, that's good? What? I guess it's good to him, and it's good to a lot of folks. So who, but the point is, who cares? We're singing to the Lord. Sorry, Bob, if you're listening. <laughs> I love you as a person, brother. Come back to the kingdom. <laughs> praise, Tehillah, means a song of praise. The shouting of a sacred formula. Speak positive words about the excellence of another, God. And note, these words are in the context of being sung. It's about singing. Don't we pray it? Right? Lord, open my lips, then my mouth, say mouth, will praise you. Singing unto the Lord. Congregational singing okay, wasn't invented during the the Reformation in the 1500s. Congregational singing was implemented by King David that we would go up to the house of God with a song in our hearts and on our lips. I'm telling you, the enemy has looked to rob the Messianic Jewish world. These are all the things that the scriptures that we read every day tell us to do. The next one is zamar. Say zamar. It means to praise or sing and playing instruments. This is to those folks who don't believe in instruments. The Hebrew word means the striking of, to strike the string. Zamar. And it occurs only in the PL, which means the intensive to do it, to strike the strings, to play enthusiastically, to sing enthusiastically. It is a cognate, or it's related to Akkadian zamaru, which means to sing and to play an instrument. It is used only in poetry, almost exclusively in the Psalms. But the Psalms is the songbook of Israel. But you know what? The, the church world has turned it into a songbook for the church, which is fine, because that's what it's meant to be. But Israel, the people of God, don't use it like that. But we need to. More and more. Amen? We might say that it means to really get after it in your praise to God intensely. To really zamar. Could you could you could you hear one of those songs that we sing that has that word in it? Zamru la donai, be what? Kinor. What's the kinor? The harp. Zamru la donai, Zamru la donai, be with 
the harp, Zamu, to play with an instrument, to strike the instrument and sound the praises of God with intensity. Telim 30 and 4 says, Sing, Zamar, praise to Adonai, you faithful of his, and give thanks on recalling his holiness. Hihulim is the next word, Hihulim. And this root connotes being sincerely and deeply thankful and satisfied in lauding a superior or superior qualities or the great acts of God. Hihulim, say Hihulim, means rejoicing, praising, vintage rejoicing, merrymaking. It's connected with thanksgiving and times of celebration. And it means rejoicing, celebrating the harvest, merry praise, like we do at Sukkot, for instance, and the high holidays. Vayikra 19.24 says, In the fourth year, all its fruit will be holy for praising Adonai. Rejoicing before Adonai. As we wave, right? The fruits before God and praise him. The next word is Shabbat. I know you're going to love this one, folks. Yeah, Shabbat. It means shout to the Lord. I know you think the rabbi gets too loud and too exuberant sometimes. I'm sorry. Not really. <laughs> I'm not really sorry. You want to know why? Because I know that God likes it. In other words, God likes it when you let loose. And every once in a while, I can tell you, I could look out, and then I close my eyes again, because I could see maybe we're being a little reserved in worship, and I close my eyes and say, God, I'm going to be reserved today. I'm going to bless you. And then all of a sudden, from my innermost being, I'll just, boom, want to go for it. And I'll just go for it and shout unto the Lord. Not always, can I tell you? Here's a confession. The rabbi is confessing. It's good to confess your sins one to the other. Here's my confession. Sometimes I'll look out and be intimidated to to worship God because perhaps the countenance of the folks in the room isn't exactly like encouraging. And I'm not saying any of you. But I'm saying sometimes you look out in the crowd and people aren't exactly with you. And there's the temptation to shrink back. To say, maybe I'm coming off a little weird. Maybe, Maybe I should tone it down a little bit. And sometimes I have. Confession. I shouldn't have. But sometimes I have. So, whoa, maybe maybe they're not liking this. But it's not about 
what you like. It's not even about what I like. It's what does God like. Remember, we came here to praise him, not to praise myself. You didn't come to praise you, right? You came to praise God, to do something he likes, to bless him in an activity that he gets something out of. He gets something out of his children shouting unto his name. He gets something out of that. He likes it. And so we do it. I'll tell you this. The vast majority of the times, I go for it. And it's my goal to always go for it. It means to address in loud tones, to command, to shout, to glorify, extol, loud, to make exuberant statements as to the excellence of God. Friends, you folks, me included, we should be coming through through the gates of this sanctuary. Once so thankful that you and I Sinners saved by grace. And now Kedushim could even come into the presence of a holy God. Excited. And then in our excitement, we should be looking to give God the praise and the glory due his name. And the glory due his name is contained in how he prescribes that we worship him. With uplifted hands, with loud shouts, with exuberant praise, with being clamorously foolish with rejoicing in who God is. Talim 63.3 says, For your grace is better than life. Think about that statement. For your grace is better than life. My lips will praise. Will not just praise. Oh, I praise the Lord. Will praise you, shabak you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know you think I'm crazy. Hallelujah. Shout unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Some of you I got a little bit. I I can see you like, oh my gosh. I don't want to do that so badly. I don't want to do that. I love it. Some of you are saying, please don't do that again, Rabbi. I don't ever want to do that again. (laughs) But I want to tell you, God wants you free. To be able to shout unto the Lord. Oh my goodness. He likes it. When we're doing it out of a sincere heart. That my goodness. I mean listen. When we all stand before the Messiah in heaven. And we understand exactly what he's done for us. Friend I know. We're reserved. You're going to be cutting a rug. You're going to be looking like a dancing machine. Yeah, I know you think you're not, but those feet, those, 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 they're going to be starting to go. And you're going to be, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm getting into the greatest show on earth. Unbelievable. This is how God wants us to be here. <laughs> it's so fitting that David started first to pen the book of Tehillim. David, the consummate worshiper, the psalmist of Israel. Amen? And I'm going to give you one more, and then we're done. Oh, my gosh, can you believe it? We're done? I wanted to cover worship today, but I said, listen, I want to get them out before three. So let me give you the last one. Again, 
this is found in the Hebrew. In the English, it says, praise the Lord. But in the Hebrew, the term is barak. Say barak. And it means to kneel and to bless. Listen to me, folks. Not a Catholic thing. A Jewish thing. To kneel and bless the Lord. Barak doesn't mean to praise with your mouth. It doesn't mean to praise with uplifted hands. It means to praise by getting down and even prostrate before the Lord. It's an act of adoration. It means to bless, to congratulate greatly. In Tehillim 16 and 7, it says, Praise, Barak Adonai, my counselor, at night my inmost being instructs me. At night I go before my God and I say, God, you are so worthy. God, you are worthy of my praise. God, you are so glorious. God, there is none like you. You are king of the earth and I bless your holy name. God, I bow before your glorious throne and I praise you for who you are, for what you've done, for your abundant kindness in my life. And God, I give you all of my praise. Bless you, O God. Barak. I think you could see that there are that there's more to thanksgiving and praise than just singing a few songs. It's about a revelation of the goodness of God and declaring his praises in the way he has instructed us. The truth is, the only way that someone can do these things is when they are worshiping in spirit and in truth. Only when the truth of God and his Messiah and the reality of his mercy that he has shown us hits our heart and comes alive, could we do those things? Friends, if God is not real to us, we'll never want to do those things. We want to be dignified. But when those hit our hearts, we could care less who's watching us. We could care less what they think because we are worshiping. Who are we worshiping? It's an audience of how many? We're only worshiping one God in this room. Just one. Just him. I'm not worshiping any other God. I'm not worshiping to impress you. I'm not even worshiping for me. I'm worshiping for him. What am I saying through all this? I think that we could step up our game as a Messianic Jewish community as it pertains to worship and praise, thanksgiving and praise here specifically. Only when the truth of God and his Messiah And the mercy has shown as us comes alive is the only time that these things will spring forth in our hearts. So I encourage you 
Take what I've said. Rabbi, I'm not accustomed to those things. Well, perhaps you didn't know those things before. But you know them now. Now you're responsible for them. Ask God. God, listen, I can tell, let me tell you a quick story and I'm going to close. When I first came into the kingdom of God and I watched, I came into a service where they were worshiping God. I, perhaps like you, was very uncomfortable. I wasn't used to singing and lifting hands and, you know, when a Jewish person comes to faith in a church, it could be traumatic, right? See people running. That's weird. <laughs> and you sit there like, Ee. and then after being there a few weeks, you go to half mass. You know, you still got that big eye wide open saying, wow, this is kooky. But you go like this. Then you say, well, I think it's time. It's safe for me to do one of these. <laughs> and then you can even sway a little. You don't want to sway too much because you don't want to look weird, you know? So you give God one of these. And then you think, you know, you really got there when you get the arm all the way up. It's a progression. Maybe you're not comfortable right away. Maybe you think it's a little weird. But that happens because we're more focused on us. We're more self-conscious. We're more worried about what people might think or that people are watching us or what people might say about us. But the more free we get in God, the less we care what anyone thinks. I'm not here to worship you. I love you. I'm not here to worship you, though. I'm here to worship God. And God wants me to lift my hands. God wants me to lift my voice. God wants me to sing and jump and twirl and shout and play and all the things that he says he wants from me. And guess what? Who am I to withhold from God that which he wants after all that God has done for me? He took me, trust me, not so unworthy of his mercy, And he took me and allowed me, he washed me and allowed me entrance into the court of heaven. Guess what? Who am I to withhold God the praise he desires? Next week we're going to speak on worship because their worship, listen to me, We praise God for his deeds and we do all those things, but there's an end goal. Our goal is to get to the place where we are worshiping God. And worship happens once we have entered into the presence of God. What presence? The manifest presence. Where we sense the atmosphere. Remember the song we sang? The atmosphere has changed. I could sense the atmosphere changed. And many of you as well. And once that atmosphere changes, that's when we have an opportunity to worship God. We now behold Him. We're having, this is what I like to say, we're having a moment with God. Yeah, I know you like that Cherry Garcia, you know, ice cream. We, 
I'm having a moment. You could take that scoop of ice cream and say, oh, we're just having a moment. No, no, this is a hundred million times better than that. This is when you're having a moment with God. And you're connecting with him. And he's touching your heart. And it feels so great. (laughs) Worship. When we are worshiping and we know he's present, the atmosphere is different. His peace invades our space. And in a word, worship is intimacy, a closeness to God. Let's stand on our feet. Listen, for some of you, the things I've said today are a stretch. But I could guarantee you that every single thing I said today is biblical and scriptural and something God wants us to do. I lay forth a challenge before you. You could go on worshiping like you're worshiping. Fine. But I encourage you to get free in God and perhaps come to worship God the way he wants to be worshiped. Amen? Stretch forth your hand. Let me bless you. Yure Radunai Panavilecha Vehunecha Yisaradunai Panavilecha Yisimlecha Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, your family your health, your finances, your children, and give you peace. B'Shem Yeshua, Amen. Blessings to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening.